It is so good to uh, be with you all uh, this morning, just to worship with you, worship team and choir. You guys were amazing. I just, I felt a real sense of the Lord's presence this morning. Um, As was said, my name is Mike Everett, and I am the uh, operations director for the International Mission Board's missionary work in the Asia-Pacific Rim. My family and I, uh, we live there, as was said earlier, in in Taiwan, and uh, you'll see a picture of them here in just a minute. Um, We have three sons. Uh, We launched our first one off to college uh, this year. He's a a freshman, and then uh, our other one is a freshman in high school, and then we have a, a sixth grader as well. In uh, Taiwan, we served there for, for uh, wow, 14 years is how long we've been there, but we've served in East Asia, Asia Pacific Rim, uh, for about 18 years in various uh, different locations. And again, uh, I'll be here tonight, room B100 at 5 o'clock. I believe that there will be refreshments, so if food is something that entices you, uh, come join. Uh, you can ask me anything that you want. I'll present a little bit more about like our work in the Asia Pacific Rim, and you can come learn uh, a little bit about that. But as the video said, it's a very diverse uh, area of the world, and I'm not going to talk too much about that this morning. I'll talk more about that tonight, uh, but there's a lot of lostness there, and that's why, that's why we go. That's why we go is to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and before I get too much further into the message here, i just like to pause and say thank you to each and every one of you who's here this morning, who has given sacrificially, either to the International Mission Board or to your church that gives to the cooperative program and those funds go to the IMB because the funds that you give go to support missionaries on the field. And we are your advocates for you out there among the lost and the places that we all can't go. I mean, we can't transplant this whole church to Taiwan or wherever it may be, but we can be your representatives and your advocates uh, for the gospel out there in the Asia Pacific Rim. So, on behalf of myself, but also on behalf of our 900 or so personnel in that part of the world, and on behalf of the 3,200 missionaries that IMB has placed throughout the world, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Your contributions go to furthering uh, the gospel. All right, so this morning, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about missions called Ambition for Mission, and so here's what we're going to Have your tablets or phones turn there. Romans is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. If you go to Corinthians or Ephesians, or if you get all the way to Revelation, you've gone a little too far. So go back and you'll find Romans. Romans 15, 18 through 21. And this is what Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, to the people of Rome. He says this.
pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning asking that you would illuminate your scriptures, that you would illuminate our minds, that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word. And Father, that you would change our lives, that you would continue to mold and make us and conform us into the image of Christ, and that when we walk away from here this morning, Lord, that we would be changed by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit. So God, we open our hands, we open our minds, we open our hearts to you, and we invite you here this morning. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a little bit about me. I'm, a, I'm somewhat of an introvert. I kinda, I'm on the middle. If you do the Myers-Briggs uh, study, I'm slightly introverted, maybe slightly, slightly extroverted. Depends on the day, I suppose. Um, and because of that, I like to process my, my thoughts. And one of the best ways for me to process my thoughts is to keep a journal. And I've written a lot over the years about our experiences on the mission field, uh, some of the joys, some of the hardships, some of the challenges. It's just a good way for me to, to like process what I'm learning, what I'm thinking, maybe what the Lord is, is teaching me. And I have a stack of them at home and I was going back through them and I found this, I found this journal entry. And before I tell you, before I read you something personal to me, let me set it up a little bit. So I wrote this back in 2002. And in 2002, this was uh, Morgan and mine, this is our first year on, on the mission field. We had no kids or anything. We're just, we're all out there. We're brand new. We're in Asia is where we are. And we made our first big purchase as a married uh, couple. And we bought a new laptop computer. And now this is in 2002 dollars, but I think we paid around $2,000 for, it's a Dell laptop. I don't know if you remember Dell uh, computers, but that's what we bought. And I was so excited uh, to get this brand new laptop computer. I mean, really, really excited. In fact, I was so excited about it that I wrote a journal entry about a new computer. I mean, who does that? Well, I do. And so it gives you a small glimpse into what life was like back then in 2002. And so I'm gonna read it to you and here's what it says, word for word. Morgan and I discovered with our new computer that we can talk to people across the world using MS Messenger. I don't know if you remember that, that, that program. And I go on to say, I don't mean typing, but with our voices. Our computer has a built-in microphone. I mean, how geeky is this, right? I mean, I have a phone now and I can do more on this phone than I could on that computer back, back then. But man, I was pumped. And so I was inspired to write this that day. And so, uh, so our computer has a, a built-in microphone. I go on to say, we're going to try to talk with my parents tomorrow morning. The great thing is, is that it's free. And then I go on and I write only a few years ago, and I remember this is 2002, so the, you know, onto the new millennium, barely into it. Only a few years ago, it would have been impossible. I, I, I love this, what I write here. I said, the internet has opened up so many new ways of communicating. I can't wait to see what new technology comes out in the future. October 2002, 20, 20 years ago. 
So when you write a journal entry, you're seeing a snapshot of what life was like uh, on that day and that time, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what's, what's going on. And sometimes it could be a little funny because, well, maybe you sound a little ridiculous like me writing about a brand new computer, but they sound interesting and funny because so much is different. So much has changed in the last 20 years from 2002 to 2022. Now, it would be a problem if I still had that same computer from back then. You'd be like, Mike, come on, man. I mean, get, a, get an iPhone, get a new computer, get a tablet or something. Don't be using that old, that old computer anymore. Uh, it's 20 years old. Mike, it is time to change, time to get with the present, time to move along. And I think sometimes you and I are a little bit like that, like that journal entry. When you look back at that 20-year-old computer, sometimes that snapshot from back then may still be the same snapshot of us today. And we get like that. We tend to get stuck in our ways a little bit. And we know that we need to change. And perhaps we haven't grown spiritually or we haven't drawn closer to the Lord over the years. And so our, our, our lives today look the same as they were uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, depending on how old you are. And we've not allowed the Lord to change our ways. Perhaps we haven't spent time in the Word. Perhaps our prayer life has been lacking. Maybe you haven't picked up the Bible in months. And life may be going okay, but inside our hearts, something is just not quite right. So let me put it to you this way. If you take today, but then you go back in time and you look back in time, you may see that your hopes and your dreams and your ambitions from that time forward to now are all still the same. Now you're just further down the timeline and maybe you're closer to realizing your dreams and your objectives and your goals, but we have to know that there's more to life than just our personal objectives. Because maybe when you were young, you had a goal of like getting a job or getting a car or having a great salary and that those goals are still there in front of you and they're still front and center. And so your ambitions and your things from that earlier time of life have not changed and that they're still the same. Uh, for you, for like, if you're a student in school, uh, some of your ambitions may be good grades in school. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Good grades are very important. Uh, parents don't hear me saying that they're not, because they are. Um, but it's more, if you're a student, than being the most popular person. For adults, it's more than just having the right job. It's more than having a well-supplied retirement account. Life is more than for those of you who struggle with outward appearances and looking good to other people and hoping that they think well of you. Now, there's nothing wrong, really, with any of these things, but if you look back over time and you see that these are still your same goals and objectives and ambitions, well, nothing's really changed you, if you wrote that journal entry back then, 20 years ago, if you, you may still be writing the same journal entry today because nothing has changed. And we have to ask ourselves, is that all right? Is, is, is that okay? Is it okay that we haven't changed? And not only do we, should we ask ourselves, is that right? We have to ask, are there consequences to a life focused on ourselves instead of a life lived for God? I would argue, and I think that you probably would, is that yes, there are consequences. Uh, if we don't change, if we don't draw closer to the Lord, if we don't align our ambitions and our dreams and our goals with his, it could affect our families. Our families could suffer for it. Our friends, our neighborhoods, our communities could all suffer for it because our passion for the Lord does not burn as bright as maybe it once did or as it should now. And when the light of Christ inside of us has dimmed, people do not see the power of the Lord at work in our lives. And that 
is an issue. People don't hear about Jesus, and they don't hear what we're supposed to be about. And thus, the spread of the gospel slows down because the light of Christ is dimmed in our own lives because our ambitions and our interests are all about ourselves and not about the Lord. And so if the spread of the gospel slows down, if it regresses, the repercussions on our world and on future generations will be significant. And so we need to change because we don't want that to happen in the future. When we get to the future, we wanna be able to write a journal entry that says, things have changed over the last 20 years. I've seen my neighbors come to Christ. I've seen my community change because of of what we've done in the community through our church and through our, our own personal lives. The Lord is at work and the Lord's power has been made known. But to get to that point, we have to change and we have to realign our ambition for God's ambition. So let me propose this to you this morning. Your ambition for God's vision leads to effective missions. Your ambition for God's vision leads to effective missions. Okay, Mike, that's cool, that's cool. All right, I like that. It kind of rhymes a little bit, I guess. But what is God's vision? Well, if we look at Revelation 7, 9, God defines the vision for us. You can turn there if you want, or I'll just read it. But John writes this. This is uh, basically at at the end. Uh, He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, that's the vision. That's where we're going. And that's where we're headed. And that's what we wanna see. We wanna see every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, every family, every house in your community, worshiping the Lord, knowing him and worshiping him. However, if our ambition does not align with God's vision, it will lead to ineffective missions. I'll say that again. If our ambition does not align with God's vision, it will lead to ineffective missions. And I don't think any of us want that. I believe all of us want to see people worshiping before the throne of God. So you may ask, Mike, what do we need to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. And thankfully, we can find the answers right here in God's word. So. I will start with point number one, and I'll, ta- I'll, I'll give you the points, and then I'll give you the scriptures, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Point number one, one worldly ambition elevates us. Worldly a- ambition elevates us, whereas godly ambition exalts Christ. I'll say it again. Worldly ambition elevates us, whereas godly ambition exalts Christ. Look at Romans 15, 18. Paul writes this, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. I will not speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished. Now you'll notice that Paul doesn't brag here. Paul could say with good reason that I've led thousands of people to the Lord and the gospel has gone to places it has never gone before. And thanks to my pioneering and adventurous and missionary spirit, great things have happened. Look at the work that I have accomplished. But Paul uh, completely refrains from that. Paul could make this about himself, but notice that he doesn't because he says, it's what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. So what does Paul brag about here? The only thing he brags about 
is what Christ has accomplished through him. In other words, he's saying, I'm just a vessel. I'm a conduit for the accomplishments of Christ. My ambition is to exalt Christ. It's not to exalt myself. But, you know, for you and I, it can be the, the opposite, can it? I mean, we're concerned about ourselves sometimes. We want to look good, right? And so we would rather, hey, good job, Mike, good job. You know, uh, I, I like what you're doing, and it feels good. It feels good. And that's the temptation for us. But Paul clearly fights against that and says, no, no, no. It's about what Christ has accomplished. And I also want you to see here that Paul is dependent on Christ to do the work through him, through Paul. Now, to be sure, Paul has the credentials and the experience to, to do the work under his own power. If you read, he, he puts like a resume together in other parts uh, of the writings of his. It's incredible about who he is and what he's accomplished. He could go to that, but that would be going back to his old self and to his old ways. That would be going back to the journal entry from, you know, the early 30s, whenever Paul was, was getting going and maybe growing up and everything like that, when it was all about him. But his ambitions have changed over time, and they've become the, the Lord's ambitions. And so instead of giving glory to himself or exalting himself, he, he gives the glory to Christ. And that's what's most important. So missionaries, just to give you a little bit of a glimpse into our world, let me take a drink. Missionaries um, aren't always perfect. Yeah, maybe you think otherwise, I don't know. But I should know because I are one. The most fruitful time of our uh, ministry was when we served in a very restricted country that was very, very hostile to the gospel. And there was a time uh, there when it seemed like every week, man, somebody was coming to know the Lord. I would meet someone for lunch, my wife would meet with a group of women, and we'd share the scriptures in a simple way. People would get saved. I mean, it was like every week for a while. And then we would go, uh, we didn't have a church or a baptismal pool, so we would baptize them in the ocean, and eventually we started a church. I mean, and it was, it was just incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe it. But I always had to fight against this tendency in me that I don't use what Christ has accomplished to elevate myself, because that was always the temptation. Um, in missionary circles, if you're leading people to the Lord, and if you're planting churches, you look pretty good. And people start asking you, hey, can you come speak to us? Can you come tell us what you're doing? What are we doing wrong? And what are you doing right? Um, and so you get this feeling like, hey, I'm leading people to the Lord. I'm baptizing them. I started a new, a new church. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about it to other people. It's in my newsletters now. I look really good and I look really uh, spiritual. And so I had to be careful to watch my motives and my reasons for doing ministry because I can still do ministry, yet I can still make it about me. And I think we can all do that too. We can still do ministry, yet we can make it about us. Somebody once said, we may be the first generation to obey the Great Commission for our own benefit. What does that mean? It means that like, if we're, we as a church or we as a person or we as a Sunday school class or a group are going out and doing missions and then we come back and we report on it, but we're, we're reporting on it to our own benefit, to exalting ourselves, then that's an issue because we are exalting ourselves up over Christ and our ambitions are not aligning with God's ambitions. They're aligning with ours because, hey, we, we look, we look kind of good. And that's not what we need to be about. Paul was not about that for sure. So if you want to apply this, I would say this. Examine your motives. Examine your motives. Why do you do what you do? 
Why are you leading a Sunday school? Why are you going on a mission trip? Why are you giving uh, to, to the missions offering? Is, if, it's looking, uh, if, if it's because you're trying to look good to other people, then you're doing ministry to, to exalt yourself. And so you need to examine your motives and you need to change them and change your heart so that we're not elevating ourselves. Because our motives and our ambitions should be to exalt Christ, not ourselves. Point number two. Godly ambition results in God's power to fulfill his calling. Godly ambition results in God's power to fulfill his calling. If you look with me in Romans 15, same passage, verses 18 through 19, he's been talking about how he's brought the Gentiles to faith or to obedience, and he goes on to say it was by word and deed. Look at this. He said it was by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So first of all, we see that the power to spread the gospel is not by Paul's own talents and abilities. He is crystal clear here, and we need to be crystal clear as well in our own lives to know that the power comes from God. It is given to us from God. It's not that we create this power. God is the one who's all-powerful, and it's by him that people come to, to faith. And so Paul saw amazing results because of two things, two things. He had the right ambition because it was aligned with God's vision. That's the first thing. And the second one was because of Paul's, or I'm sorry, the second one was because of God's power. Paul's ambition was aligned with God's vision, which meant that God's power could be, man, be made manifest through Paul and through signs and through wonders and, of course, through the Spirit of God. And so when Paul's heart and ambition are aligned with God's vision, God's power is made evident. It's the same with us. When our ambition is aligned with God, his power is made evident. And we will see God's power. Now, if you want to be ineffective, if you want to be ineffective or if you want to reduce the power of God... In your life, I'll tell you how. Just make it all about you. Make it all about you. This is all about me. It's all about me. That will quickly quench the spirit. But as Paul learned, passion for God and for reaching the lost resulted in God's power. It resulted in signs and wonders. Now, you may think, I don't know if signs and wonders still happen anymore these days. It's been a while. Society seems kind of crazy these days. I'm not sure if God's still working or if his power has made evident, but I beg to differ. When uh, we met a woman named Maggie at an English school, this is over in Asia, and again, it was, it was just one of those times, like, we sat down with her, we read some scripture together, and uh, she said, I want to become a Christian, and I'm like, like, like right, right now, you want to become a Christian? She said, yes, yes, I want to become a Christian now. And uh, so first of all, that's the power of God right there, God working in her, in her heart. And so we, we discipled her, we, we walked her through, through the scriptures, um, and we taught her a lot of things. And so we got to uh, a scripture in Acts, Acts chapter 17, verses 27, that says this. It says, he is actually not far from each one of us, referring to God. God is not far from each one of us. And Maggie said, you know what? That's true, that's true. I know that to be true. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you about, I'll tell you a story. And so she told us the story that when she was a little girl, she grew up uh, in a rural area next to a river. And sometimes that river would flood its banks, which would be a little scary for her. But it manifested itself in great anxiety in her. And she was terrified that that river would come and that it would flood the banks and that her house and her family and herself would be swept away by that river. And so she would go to sleep 
And she would have dreams where this river, raging river would come and it would sweep them all away and they would lose their lives. And she would wake up in a panic. And she would wake up scared. And she said, this one, this one night, she said, I, I was so scared. And she said, I just, I, I walked outside. And she said, it was a clear night. She said, I could see, I could see the stars. I could see everything on the sky. And she said, and this is in an atheist country. She said, God, if you are out there, help me to know, help me to know. She said she went back to sleep and she had a dream and she had a dream of that same river and it was a peaceful river. And she said that she felt a presence, like a, and, and she heard a voice saying to her, saying, Maggie, Maggie, I know you, I know you. And she said, ever since I was a little girl to now, I've been trying to find out who he is ever since that time. And she said, and now, I know his name is Jesus. And so she said, when I read that verse, it's true. Because she says, Jesus has never been far. He's always been near to me. And now I know the name of the God who has always known my name. I'll tell you this, God's power is still at work. He's still at work. But here's the thing. If we focus on ourselves, if we are inwardly focused, looking down, we will miss what God is doing around us because our ambitions and our dreams and hopes are aligned on our own goals and our own vision instead of God's. Yet if we align our ambition with God's vision, if we change our outlook, we can look for people who need to hear the message of Jesus. So you can go up to them and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute about something important to me? Let me tell you about someone who's changed my life. And you may just find that God has been working in their lives for years, just like Maggie. And so the power of God was evident all that time throughout Maggie's life, but it had never become made known until somebody had approached her and shared the gospel with her. And so God is still at work in people's lives. And so when you go and you talk to somebody and you share your faith with them, you never know how God's been working in their lives. So it could have been an experience that they had this last week that just turned their world upside down and now they're questioning, or it could have been something that happened to them as a kid, or a dream that they had. We don't know, but God is working around us, and his power is still made manifest. And so I would encourage all of us to pray for the power of God to be made known to those around you so that when you go to share the gospel with them, God's power is made known in their lives and that their lives are changed. And so when our ambition is aligned with God's vision to reach the lost, his power will be made known to them. Third and last point, and I've been saying this the whole time, but align your ambition to God's vision. Align your ambition to God's vision. Romans 15, 20 through 21, look at this. Paul says, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. It's pretty clear, I think, what Paul's ambition is. You can see it there on the screen, I believe. It's to preach the gospel, and that's what he's all about. It's clear where he's going. He's going to people who've never been told or who have never heard about Jesus. This is his singular focus 
And what he's saying is, I've done my ministry in this part of the world from Jerusalem to Illyricum. It's time for me to move on because you know what? There's other people in the world who've never heard about Jesus. And around the time when this letter was written in the late 50s, uh, very few people in the world had heard about, about Jesus. Very, very few. It's not like today where there's so many who have uh, heard it. Paul's singular focus, he, he was just clear. I'm going to the lost and I'm going to where God has not been named. And look at this too. And this is what I want for my life and this is what I want for all of us. See this, God's vision for the world became Paul's vision. God's vision for the world became Paul's vision. See, Paul began to see the world through God's eyes, not through his own eyes, not through self-centered thinking, not through selfishness, but Paul began to see the world the way that God sees the world and he saw it through God's eyes. Do you know what the greatest problem in the world is? Uh, It's not a lack of clean water, although that is a problem for sure. It is not poverty, That is a problem for sure as well. Uh, It's not economic hardships or environmental disasters, also bad things. Uh, It's not the rising power of China and how that affects the global geopolitical order of, of the world. It's not the war in Ukraine, all certainly bad things. But the greatest problem in the world is sin. That's the biggest problem, it's sin. And so Paul learned to see people as God sees them. He sees people who are lost and who are dead in their sins. People who have no hope, who live in darkness, yet Paul knows that God loves them. And Paul will do whatever he can to make sure that they hear that Jesus can save them. And that's what we need to be about as well. We need to be able to look across our neighborhoods and our communities, across the city of Albuquerque, across this land of enchantment of New Mexico, and see people the way that God sees them, as lost, who need a savior, and see that through God's eyes. Now remember the vision from Revelation 7, 9. It said that God wants to see every people, tribe, nation, language worshiping him. And for you and I, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. That's why I'm in the Asia Pacific, because that's what I want to see. That's why missionaries go all over the world, is because they want to see people from every nation, tribe, language, uh, worshiping the Lord. That's why we go. But we are not there yet. We're not there yet. We've come a long way since Paul's day, but we still have a ways to go. And so if I were today to sit down and write a journal entry, uh, October 23rd, 2022, dear diary, uh, in the Asia Pacific Rim where I live, there are 2.3 billion people, but 2.1 billion of them don't know Christ and will spend an eternity separated from him. 47,000 people die each day without knowing Christ and over 1,600 people groups in this part of the world remain unreached. I hope this changes so that all the people groups have been reached and have heard the name of Jesus. And I hope that that's our ambition as well. I hope that that's our vision for the lost, that our vision is the same as God's vision, that we want to get the message of Christ out to people who have never heard. And it would be a problem, wouldn't it, 
if 20, 50 years from now, somebody found my journal entry and like, uh, things haven't changed. Actually, they've regressed a little. Why is that? And maybe, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why that could be, but it could be that the church has lost its way. It could be that we've lost our way. It could be that we focused on the wrong things. And so people never heard the message of God because instead of making uh, it about God's vision, we made it about our own vision for ourselves. And so we have to be careful with that and make sure that our ambition aligns with God's vision. So here's what I would tell you today. This is something simple to uh, apply this is find the lost and share the gospel with them. If you do that, you are aligning your life with what God wants and with his vision. So think about this. Who around you doesn't know Jesus? Who at your work or who in your office needs to hear about Jesus? Here in Albuquerque, where are there pockets of lostness where few people know Jesus? Are there refugees coming here, maybe from the Ukraine? I don't know. Um, or people coming from other countries who may have never had an opportunity to know Jesus. That's your opportunity. That's, that's the mission field. And so I would encourage you to go find them and share the gospel with them. Earlier, I said there could be a negative impact on people in the world if we don't align our ambitions with God's vision. But I want you to think about this. If we're passionate for the Lord, if we're passionate for the lost, if we're passionate about reaching the nations, if we're passionate about reaching our communities and our, and our cities and the neighborhoods around this church, what's gonna happen in the future? How will, how will things change? How would your family change? How would your kids change? How would your school change? How would your work change? How would your communities change? How would your, how would your nation change? How would the world change if our ambitions are aligned with God's vision? Because when they are, it makes for effective missions. So I'm not here to tell you this morning you know, what we're doing wrong or anything like that. I'm just here to say our lives shouldn't be the same as they were a few years ago. I'm here to say that our ambitions from a few years ago ought to be a little bit different today. They ought to be more aligned with God's vision uh, for the world. So don't be stuck in the past. Don't be stuck in that old journal entry from 20 years ago. Me, don't be using the same computer from 20 years ago. Instead, change and align your ambition to be with the Lord's uh, vision. So I ask you this, are you aligned with God's vision? Are you aligned? What is your life like right now? What in your life needs to change? Where do you need to get right with the Lord? And so I'd like for us just to take a couple, mo a couple moments to think about that. So I would uh, like to ask all of us to stand. Um, we're just gonna have a, a couple minutes just to, to think and to pray. Uh, if you would like to come forward, uh, maybe the first thing, the first change you need to make is to know Jesus and to give your, your life to, to him. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to come forward. Maybe you feel a call to give uh, your life to missions and to go overseas, whether it's a short-term or a long-term trip or however the Lord is leading you. Or maybe you just feel impressed by the Spirit, like, God, I need to change. Let's take a moment uh, to, to pray about these things, to, to think through these things. I will have some music playing. And if you feel like you need to come forward and talk to, to one of the elders or one of the men up here or myself, feel free to do that. 
And let's respond to the Lord's leading in our lives. Heavenly Father, we know that you are stirring our hearts. God, we come before you and just confess that we, we are we're sinful people. And uh, man, sometimes, sometimes we get in the way, you know. Sometimes we don't listen. Lord, uh, we, we miss where, where, where you're at work because we're, we're not focused on you. And so Lord, I, I pray that you would you would change us this day, Lord, that um, we wouldn't look the same, that this church would not look the same several years from now because we're chasing after you and our passions are, are your passions. And so, Lord, please use us wherever we are in our lives, in our communities that we come from, in our families, where there are so many broken and hurting people around us. And so, Lord, let us be light in this world. And may people see you at work. May they see your power in and through us. And may you change lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.